Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Night After Night, a podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Lisa Fernandes, and... I'm Chris Jaiwardner. Hello. Have you checked the mummies lately? This is our first review for season eight. This is Mummy's Bride. Uh, it is completely the beginning of the end here. So prepare yourselves for... Yeah. <sighs> uh, it was written by Roger Garrett, directed by Tom Trevich. I'm sure Chris has... Some kind of facts coming up about you that well, probably about Roger. Yeah, I actually have a I have a trivia note for Tom today, which is gonna be which is gonna be fun. Yay! Found some factoids about him. Hooray! He directs so much of the season. It's it's more specifically a project he worked on that I did awesome. not realize existed, and I'm kind oh, of man. glad was a failed pilot, but uh, we'll get to that. We have he directed so many episodes of the season, so it's super helpful. So let me tell you how we got to this point. Season seven of Laverne Shirley left the show in a pretty decent position. With ratings back on the upswing after slipping back into a Tuesday 8.30 p.m. time slot late in season five, and season six and seven, Joe the California move in a positive way, it had re-entered the 20s on the Nielsen charts after a disastrous plunge in the 40s during season five. Entree the deluge. Cindy Williams began dating Bill Hudson. Dun dun dun. <laughs> of the Hudson Brothers a popular singing group, after meeting him at a celebrity baseball game in 1981. Hudson was, according to Penny Marshall's autobiography, My Mother Was Nuts, in the middle of selling a contentious divorce from Goldie Hawn as he was getting together with Cindy. Uh, most records I have dug up, uh, including a Barbara Walters interview, backs us up. He was still in the middle of divorcing her when they started dating, and that is uh, how messy that situation was. For comments given to us by another Cindy, Cindy Beagle, right around multiple episodes in the show, the sight of Cindy Williams in a wedding gown during season seven's I Do, I Don't caused Bill Hudson to decide to propose to her. Cindy Williams, not Cindy Beagle. What? Yeah. What? Yes. What? Cindy said. What? Cindy said that ever after, until the divorce happens, Cindy referred to her and her co-writer Lisa Kite as her good luck charms. Sure enough, Hudson and Williams were married on May 1st, 1982, just after Goldie and Bill settled their marital entanglement in March of 1982. Per Penny's autobiography, Cindy was already pregnant with her daughter when the marriage took place, which seems to be true by the facts that I've been able to dig up. Her daughter Emily was born in November, and they were married in May, so math, math, that is correct. In any event, by the time the show reconvened for season 8, Cindy informed the show's producers of her pregnancy. I thought I was going to come back and they'd hide my baby bump behind benches, couches, pillows, and that wasn't it, Cindy told the Today Show in 2015. She also had hoped to film a lot of wraparound scenes while she looked thin enough and reasonably non-pregnant on camera so Shirley could stay single and on the show at the same time while she could take off and do her maternity leave. Penny reported Cindy only wanted to be in 13 of the show's proposed 22 episodes that season. Proposed because for season 8, ABC had only greenlit 13 episodes and held the back 9 to see how the show's ratings resolved. She confirmed that Cindy seemed willing to do what it took to ensure Shirley would be about for the rest of those episodes, however, by filming, you know, front and back and openers, closers, whatever she needed to do. But the network was afraid Cindy would look too pregnant on camera and they nixed this whole idea. Then Gary Marshall got an idea. A terrible idea. 
God rest your soul, Gary. A horrible idea. Per what he told Singapore's radio, TV, and Times during the early filming of season 8, Gary found the perfect thing to do to shake up the show's ratings and get them out of the 20s and back into the top 10 would be to marry off both of the girls. No, not to reach up. Shirley would marry an army doctor named Walter Meany, while Laverne presumably fall in love with Larry Breeding's fashion photographer Mike Bailey, whom she meets in episode 2 of season 8. Breeding and Penny had been casually dating at the time, and they had some decent on-screen chemistry, so the show hoped to build upon that. But it all depended on the audience's reaction. The plan was to hustle Walter wrapped head-to-toe in bandages so they wouldn't have to commit to hiring an actor off to Vietnam right after the wedding, leaving Laverne alone with her friends to cope with Shirley's pregnancy. If the audience reacted well in marriage, then Walter would return and be cast. Then eventually Laverne might marry, and the show would become a couple's show, with the two characters living next door to each other, like neighbors. Very Lucy and Ethel. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was the plan. That was the original plan. If the audience didn't like him, well, the show would be about Laverne adjusting to being a quasi-aunt and Shirley adjusting to motherhood anyway. My guess is that we're going to kill him off, but nobody said that. I have the confirmation of that, but the implication was they would kill him off at Vietnam and Shirley would be a single mom, which is pretty daring, but, you know, they, we already had single moms on TV like Julia by now. We had single moms like Alice, uh, and a widow mom, you know, would be fine. So we, we already had widow moms. We could have tacked this as fun. Unfortunately, fate intervened. Some people blamed friction caused by Bill Hudson on the sets. Those people included Penny. To quote a Foundation interview with the uh, Television Academy, which we will link in the information below, I was aware she got married because I was at the wedding. I was aware she was pregnant because I could see. And she told me. I wasn't aware he was going to be such a pass. She claimed Hudson won an on-screen credit for working on the show, among many other hassles he caused, as for Cindy, who says in her autobiography that her removal from the show was so quick she didn't even have time to remove personal affirma from her dressing room, she told the Television Academy that it came down to ABC's scheduling problem. I was the first woman on the lot to have a baby, she told Larry King in 2002. Only two episodes of season eight made it into the can before Cindy discovered she was scheduled to work on the day she was supposed to deliver her daughter. Per an oral agreement, she said she had struck up with Gary Marshall. They had decided that she would only have to work until mid-October. And remember, she was due in November, so it's like a month off. That's pretty acceptable, mm-hmm. especially for TV, considering how physical work on Laverne Shirley could be. Adding on to all this, Cindy performed the show's first two episodes of season eight without signing a full contract. Uh, paperwork, people. Paperwork, 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 paperwork. It's, it's, it's like the developers thing, the, the Steve Ballmer thing. Developers, developers, developers. It's paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. Uh, Get it in ink. Yeah, get it in ink. No one could come to a proper agreement, and Cindy walked from the show suing Paramount TV and Gary Marshall for $20 million. Ooh, yep. boy. Yeah. Uh, she accused Paramount of breaking the oral agreement that she'd forged with Gary about not having to work into October, and that she would still be paid $75,000 per episode plus some of the gross. And she wouldn't have to do any health risking, risking stunts. So she sued his butt. Uh, she sued the Paramount's butt, and she went home to have her baby. Penny was understandably angry, depressed, and sad by her own confession regarding the situation. She says this in her autobiography. After all, she and Cindy had fought the California move to the nail, and they had managed to survive so much backstage tumult together, and this is an entirely different order of drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another challenge she didn't want to deal with. Even worse, for a period of time, she couldn't talk to Cindy at all. She alleged, and my mother was nuts, 
that whenever she called the house, Bill Hudson wouldn't put his wife on the phone. Ugh. Whenever she tried to call her, Bill would say, Cindy can't come on the phone, hang up on her. And that happened, went, went on for years. Penny tried to walk on the show, too, uh, living out of Lauren Michaels' guest room to avoid the suits at ABC, which is amazing. But they told her that if she didn't go back, she'd be sued. Her friend and agent, Mike Ovitz, gave her this advice, by the way. <laughs> so, so Penny goes, fine, fine, fine. She sat there and negotiated with ABC and said, then if you're going to make me do the show against my will, I want Cindy's points and her salary. If Cindy returns to the show, then she'll get all those things back. But Penny wanted compensation for having to explain this to people, including the audience, which she was very worried about doing. She called the whole dilemma a drag. And then, but Paramount did give her exactly what she asked for. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's also a case of, you know, these are business people that know you don't... Yeah. <laughs> When the golden goose realizes that they're laying the golden eggs, you got to start making negotiations, not sharpening your knives. Yeah, yeah. The rest of season eight proceeded to commence writing and filming. Uh, Penny called in all of her closest friends to come in and guest star in an attempt to fill the void. And then she later found out Cindy was getting her points anyway. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everybody on the set, by the way, did say uh, Bill Hudson was a pain in the butt. We've got multiple writer testimonies of Bill Hudson being a pain in the butt, allegedly. So he was, he was apparently, Gary Marshall said he was a pain in the butt. A lot of people said he was a pain in the butt. So that's all allegations that multiple people have repeated. The, you don't know if, uh, didn't, didn't he end up like cheating on her and dropping her or something uh, like that? Too? There's a history there. I will explain in a bit. Elsewhere, Michael McKean and Gary Marshall had already brokered a deal uh, because of his Michael's own participation in season eight before he signed his own contract. Two men agreed that if this Spinal Tap, which had long been looking for a financial backer, finally found a studio willing to give it a go, then Michael wanted to leave the show early to focus on the film. They did, and resultantly, Lenny only appears in five of the season's 22 episodes. Hmm. This, by David Linder's remarks, left him a bit adrift without someone regularly to bounce off of. As he said in the show's TVography, it wasn't as if they brought in a new Lenny for me to work with every week. The result is, uh, well, you'll see. Horrible luck dog season eight of Laverne Shirley throughout his production. During Lost's spacesuits, Penny was injured when she fell from her guide wires while performing a stunt. More details on that when we hit that episode. Later in the season, several episodes had to be rewritten when Larry Breeding tragically died in an automobile accident on September 28, 1982, not too long after filming the fashion show, which was dedicated to his memory. His sad death put a kibosh on the notion of Laverne having a happy romantic ending to her adventures. Critics and subsequent audiences have never kind of season 8 since his debut, with the outing as a whole coming in at number 88 on David Hofstede's Immortal Tome, What Were They Thinking? The 100 Dumbest Events in Television History. Most of the show's actors have not been kind to it in turn. Michael said he thought the show went on for one season too long. David said that if they had married Carmen and Shirley off to each other, then there would have been an uproar from the audience. Both Penny and Steve claimed the season as well. And yet contemporary audiences stuck around in decent enough numbers and it only fell at 25th place on the Nielsen charts. Oh, my God. The whole season. Yeah. Wow. And they were up against the A-team. Well, I guess it makes sense because, you know, do you want to watch something dumb where things explode? Or do you want to see something dumb where people just, you know, yell at each other? And ghosts. And nuns. Nuns with, with pickles. pickles. We'll get there. <laughs> I forgot about the, the nunsploitation episode. Oh, the nunsploitation uh, it- you don't know how correct you are on the non-exploitation part of this, but we'll get there. Oh, just <laughs> please tell me, tell me. Okay, on a scale of satanico pandemonium to the devils, where are we talking here? Uh, Com- Convent of the Holy Beast? Uh, 
we're, we're, we're a little bit of a high satanica. Uh, we have nuns being vaguely blasphemous and also spotlight speeches and something terrible happens to Laverne, but we'll get there. Um, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. So, Laverne's show is in 25th place. It's still in the top 30. That's still pretty good. So ABC wanted to pick up Laverne and Shirley for one more season. Penny had just bought a penthouse in New York City. She was playing on moving coasts. She was trying to launch her directing career. So her response to this was saying, okay, move the whole show to New York and I'll do it. And they said no and canceled them. <laughs> way to go, Penny. Not to mention, yeah. it's a great way of finally getting the, the move that she wanted all those yep. years prior. Yep, yep. So in the summer of 1983, uh, show ends, or as David Landers says in the show's TVography episode, more or less canceled ourselves. The A-Team, by contrast, uh, opened as a mid-season replacement in 14th place, and then fell off uh, to, 20, to ironically the 23rd place slot in its first full season in that fall. So it's interesting to think about, really. Uh, Laverne Shirley was being uh, strip mined for its parts anyway. A backdoor pilot for Carmine makes up the show's final episode, and that series was not picked up by ABC, leaving Happy Days as Gary Marshall's only running television show and putting an end to his television empire. Cindy Williams' lawsuit was later settled out of court for an undisclosed amount of money at some point between 1984 and 1985. Her suit did have a positive impact on how Paramount deals with pregnant people. They subsequently built a daycare center on the lot for the studio's working parents. Gary and Cindy eventually reconciled, as did Cindy and Penny. As a matter of fact, Cindy and Penny subsequently regained their close friendship. By the time of Penny's passing, they would often stay over at each other's houses, called each other frequently, and sometimes just hung out and watched TV together. Cindy's daughter, Emily, was born healthy in November of 1982, and she, Bill Hudson, later had another child, a son named Zach. For a while, Cindy was content to focus her attention on motherhood and being a wife, but by late 1983, she was back at work on various TV movies and television pilots. She and Hudson even had a pilot with NBC, which would have co-featured them with Emily. It didn't get picked up. They did star together in the Disney Channel One Season Wonder, just like family, along with the wonderful world of Disney TV movie, Help Wanted, Kids. They co-produced a Steve Martin starring mega-successful Father of the Bride reboot series of films, and generally, you know, live peacefully raised the kids. Uh, Cindy would never quite uh, regain her level of mega-success that she had with Laverne Shirley, you know, sadly. But she kept thriving in, by doing theatrical roles, television roles, had a film career, and it continued until her death in January of, of 2023. Where, in fact, as of press time, still waiting for the release of her last project, which she had been in the middle of filming when she passed away. Bill Hudson and Cindy Williams were divorced after 18 years of marriage in 2000, and for Hudson's 2011 autobiography, they remained friendly throughout the years. I'll close with a quote from Gary Marshall given to the Foundation series of interviews in 2012. For many of the people on Laverne and Shirley, that was the best time of their life. They just didn't know it. And now that they know it, it's too late. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you literally said that. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm thinking of how I remember that quote because you showed me that clip actually of him stating that. Yes. Three years ago when we started yes. recording. And yeah especially getting to this point now, it really feels like it because of how it is reflected in so many ways with the, all the stories we've heard about the way the writer's room was done, the way the producing was managed, yep. you know, yep. the, the producer and actor, you know, uh, discrepancies and et cetera. Yep. And how we've, 
actors versus writer room drama. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, where it's like all three of these different pods kind of were very much out for themselves rather than trying to find those happy like a happy compromise they're making compromises that are often just you know it feels like with the california move and some of the scripts just simply this is what's been decided by somebody arbitrarily yeah and that's and that's really honestly as you and i both have experienced you know that's not a really good way to create a environment that is taking it you know taking good um advantage of the wonderful opportunity that is presented when you have such a talented group of people together exactly it could have been so different. It could have been so different. It could have been. And that's the saddest part about it, the whole thing. Instead, we end up with what we end up. The show dies a sad death. Uh, we do have a reunion, which we'll probably review at the end of the uh, episode order, uh, where we do get a reunion skit, mm. which is good. And we find out what happened to the girls and what they ended up doing. There, so at least we got a slightly happier cap than where the actual body of the show leaves you know, it's just a mess. It's unfortunate. Uh, I know David and Michael said they wish they had gotten the opportunity to do more Lenny and Squidgy stuff. Uh, even when uh, David was dealing with MS, he was, they were trying to pitch a uh, animated show. Oh, wow. And it's got an, especially in the nineties with the whole era of yeah. like Beavis and Butthead and Rockers yeah. and all that. Can you imagine yeah. a Lenny and Squeaky Nicktoons cartoon? Yeah. Want it, want it, want it, want it. I'm sad it didn't happen. You know who was, uh, they were looking to to get this produced? Hmm. The folks behind uh, Johnny Bravo. Oh. Man. Oh, that would have been a good fit. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. They had all the illnesses. Didn't, didn't get out of um, feeler stage. That's a sad fur, though. Yeah, that's how it goes. So. Yeah. Sometimes show business is like that. This is, you know, anyway, thank yeah. you so much for having done an amazing job with this very thorough backstory. Cause I know, because my, my mother, who has yeah. folks who listen to this podcast know, um, yes. my mother, you know, has, has been sort of joining me in some regard to this on this journey through the show. Uh, she even, yeah. she even said today that, uh, she was there for moral support. Cause when we got to the end of the fourth episode, <laughs> uh, for this, which is what we watched for this batch, she, I said, I, yep. she was like, oh, wow, how many more? And I said, 18 more episodes, man. She goes, oh, my God. <laughs> you know I'm here for emotional support for you, right? For moral support? <laughs> yeah, that's how it feels sometimes. When we're all watching it together, I have, fan, I have friends who are absolutely fans of the season. That's why I love it. I, I can am- see why. Because there is a, yeah. a liveliness that we'll, we'll get to as we actually start discussing this episode. Because you can see how they're adapting to the fact that they know the ship is sinking because you can tell with this first episode they yeah. know things are starting to go wrong the ship is starting to sink the engine rooms you know yeah. saying there's a failure the captain doesn't yeah. know exactly yeah. what to do you can yeah. totally feel it yeah yeah but yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that but yeah but lisa thank you so much for this very thorough incredibly researched you know uh, uh piece you basically wrote this amazing essay essentially about the fall yeah. of season eight yeah yeah, I read four different autobiographies and watched a crapload of videos for this. Plus, I reread uh, What Were They Thinking? Wow. It's just a mess. It's just a mess of, uh, of a situation. Uh, as Michael once said about Cindy, he doesn't like talking about other people's legal problems. Oh. <laughs> reaction to that. When he said that, he was in the middle of uh, Spinal Tap soon studio now to try to get the rights to their own characters back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that yeah. whole business. That which, thankfully, that got that got resolved. Yeah. yeah. Now we're at Spinal Tap 2. That's the only reason we are getting Spinal Tap 2. Yep. Yep. Because, I mean, my understanding is they've been wanting to do Spinal Tap 2 since, like, what, yeah. like, 96, 97? They've been yeah. talking about it? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, we've got gotten little tiny um, uh, specials. Right. We got like several anniversary specials. They've appeared live uh, in concert as the guys. Mm-hmm. God, it's gonna be wild. Anyway, um, so yeah, front row. Front so row, with uh, episode one, season eight, yeah. Laverne and Shirley soon to become quote unquote the Laverne Show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I gotta say this. Penny fought hard against them wanting to rename it Laverne or Laverne and Company. She said no. She said, I don't want to make it look like somebody pushed Cindy out of the show. So she insisted it remain Laverne Shirley. I think she, I, I wonder to what extent that also was she ha- had, she had to hold on to a hope that Cindy was going to be able to come back under yeah, some yeah. circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people were hoping if we hold out long enough, we hold out this lawsuit. We get a couple more seasons, she'll be back with season nine, season ten. Right. Penny was done. She was direct. And we're glad she became a director. We got a league of our own. Oh, yeah. Big. God, yeah. Yeah. Fighting cars with boys, which none of you went to go see. <laughs> <laughs> which I love. And she was, yeah, she was a good, she was an amazing director. And um, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've heard really good things about Awakenings. That it's kind oh, of a. Awakenings is beautiful. Yeah. Cause I, like it's kind of a acquired taste, but pretty. Um, pretty special it's beautiful it's a beautiful movie i've seen it. it is gorgeous lovely i recommend anybody who hasn't seen it go see it awesome if you haven't seen awakenings go tune that one in yeah uh but anyway uh yeah. so mummy's told bride you what the episode's about yeah i think it's time let's jump in let's let's crack this yeah. uh i think it's this we're now this is less of a podcast and more an autopsy yeah we haven't gotten to mid-season where it's definitely an autopsy okay the patient and, and- is dead but twitching <laughs> And an autopsy in the same context that I would say the Cabinet of Curiosities episode three, oh. the autopsy is. Have you watched that oh yet? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been all the way through it. I think as much as it got released, I think it was like what an episode. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Because I, I, yeah. I haven't watched the last two yet. I, I just watched uh, Witch House a few weeks ago. Let me some Guillermo. Oh, Let me some yes. Mr. Del Toro. <laughs> king, now, king, king. And 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 so just again this and and I should probably preface this as well. So um, I'd like to have some uh, quickly express some thoughts before we 100% jump in. We should jump in, but I yes. wanted to make sure to two things to make clear. The first is absolutely accept that there are people that love season eight are going to disagree yes. with the many of our perspectives that we have yes. towards this season. Yes, there are times I'm going to try to be fair, and there are others where I yes. will have a very visceral reaction. Yeah. And I hope that those of you listening that love this show and love the podcast can forgive me. That's number one. <laughs> be kind of. Uh, number, n- number two, be prepared for a lot more tangential references. Whereas <laughs> before those were done, just because sometimes it was just, you know, Lisa and I, you know, because this is a couple time for us, basically, because we yeah. don't get to spend as much time together as we wish we could. Long work days. So... But part partly that's there's that. And then there's also that, you know, we just drift off because something in the episode reminds us or brings up some other movie or some other show or yep. whatever. Yep. And and we tangent. This will be a preventative referential tangent nature towards things of the macabre, the grindhouse, what have you, as a survival mechanism. <laughs> More Rob Zombie jokes in short. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, well, you, you got Leslie. Yeah. Hey. Yes, we do. We love her. She is a human. We love her. Yes. Human work in this particular uh, season. Yeah, no, she, well, so far, she's one of my favorite parts of the season. Let us slam in the back of our Dragula. Yep. Here's what the episode is about. 
Sometime in the space between Season 7 and Season 8, Shirley finally managed to bag herself Dr. Mr. Wright. Walter Meany is an army medic who doesn't have a dime to his name, but hey, he's a doctor and he proposed marriage to Shirley, who is over the moon. Wedding planning sets in, but everything is sped up when Shirley learns Walter is going to be shipped out in two days, which will leave her alone with Laverne in their apartment for a year. A lightning-fast shower and a quick breakup with Carmine only result in Shirley's wedding switching venues to an army hospital when Walter comes down with a full-body rash. Will she say, I do, even if her groom cannot? Meanwhile, Laverne fears she'll end up an old maid. What do you think about this one? What the fuck? <laughs> David Lander was right. They should have just married Carmine and Shirley off. It would have been so much easier, so much less fuss and wear and tear. At this point, the Carmine spinoff was not going to take off. They should have just married Shirley and Carmine off, let her be pregnant, let her go through the motions of having a kid, and, you know, then do whatever with Laverne. We know, sadly, that things wouldn't have worked out with Mike for Laverne, no matter what the audience wanted, and no matter what the producers wanted, because fate was terrible that way. Yeah, fate but, was yeah. very cruel. Yes, very cruel and unfair, utterly. But Lord, for me, I'm just going to quote my friend Allison Pregler, who we've had on the show, mm -hmm. who is wonderful, and say, Walter Meany, you are not a real character. You're and, not uh, a real uh, character. <laughs> You're a blank space wearing a cast that I cannot connect to because I cannot even see your damn eyes. He I can't even... connect to you. I thought it was Sorry. a dummy in a suit for a while. <laughs> it's a real dude. A dude who was apparently an extra, who they got paid scale apparently, and who thought he was going to get his big break by being Shirley's husband, and nobody knew who he was. And he was not credited, I don't think, because he, he didn't speak any lines. He is not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I figured not. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'm not even that... Not big of a Shirley and Carmine shipper until we get to like season five and they started to grow up more. And we get like, you know, season good stuff in season five and season six and he moves all the way across the country to be with her. Mm -hmm. But it's, it would have it been such a satisfying gesture. The other thing also is like, because, you know, season seven has some moments where their relationship really heats up and you begin oh, to yeah. realize, like, okay, this making is, out. It's, yeah, making out on the couch to the point that like you're realizing, yeah. uh oh, this is, yeah. Getting pretty spicy yeah. even for primetime yeah. uh, yeah. sitcom. Yeah. I got something in the most important day ever. Yeah. So something's yeah. happening. So further is that I would say, because th th this is where, you know, the the uh, the the, the fix-it fic kind of has to take hold, right? Yeah. Oh, so much of it exists. So this this <laughs> opening, which is which is kind of cute, um, you know, the, the, you know, sure, sure, yeah. sure, 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 and the twirl and all that. The sure <laughs> twirl. Cute. Yes. But... Imagine you start with Laverne in, in the apartment and she's cleaning and she finds the photo album. And because Shirley's life has started to change, Laverne's the one getting nostalgic because yeah. of the fact that everything's really changed rapidly. So it has been a time jump. And now it's instead of having to hide the baby bump or anything like that, you say, OK, like 18 months have passed. We're yeah. in the late 60s now, maybe closer yep. to 69. Yep. We're in 67 for the opening band. 
Correct. Right. That's where the show ends. Yeah. You have Laverne start to open up the photo album and start to tell us all the things. It's like, oh, look at that yeah. on their wedding day. And this is when he proposed. Yeah. And then you start throwing yeah. in jokes like this is when Lenny Squeaky did blankety blank. Oh, when here's yeah. the and because one of the things I will say I already miss so far in these four episodes, Laverne doesn't have her camera. Yeah. Because that would be the thing that would always like be a sign of her excitement of change, you know, because how does someone who likes to take photos that that is a you know a a hobby and a passion you know a, a passionate hobby for a yeah. person you know change where that becomes like well I need things to stay the same so I'm going to take a picture because it'll last longer you know yeah and yeah to have that be part of the kind of you know and then you know, you could have the flashback episode that shows them getting married yeah you could have the flashback yeah. to them proposing because you know it's the one year yeah. i mean imagine yeah. a one-year anniversary episode where yeah. carmine goes to laverne is and he's like he's actually nervous because he's like i'm hitting the one-year anniversary you know of our marriage and i'm like i feel like shirley's gonna expect me to do something and all of that and it turns out like the only thing he has to do is just take care of the baby for a day. Yeah. And just let her like yeah. that's the best gift he can give her. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cute. That would be incredibly cute. That would be adorable. And instead, we have to go to all of these lengths to introduce a new person who never becomes a real person. No. If Pete, even if the show had taken a couple of episodes to introduce Walter, then maybe they would have accepted. Mm -hmm. Then maybe it wouldn't be a huge sharp jump. Sharp jump. But the only traits that Walter has are copy pasted onto him by Shirley telling us about him. Right. And they, they're not even interesting facts or faults. We just know that he likes to uh, give her mashy little phone calls. We know that uh, he has no money. What else do we learn about him? Nothing. Not even in episode two when they're married. It's yeah, bad. exactly. And I'm actually going to post uh, in our little chat here. Because for my notes, when this happens, it's like, she's engaged. You're going to get married to who? Walter? And then my note is, Walter? Who the fuck is Walter? <laughs> Imagine how people felt about this coming to the show in the 1980s. Ugh. Uh, with little to no warning unless they read the TV guide ahead of time. Like, imagine how people felt about this. I would, turn, would say, fuck this and turn on the A-team. I really would. Yeah. I would be so mad. And I didn't even ship it that hard. I would just turn the channel out of spite. That's how bad the spot list is. And it's not even that I necessarily need Carmen and Shirley to be married, which I said in part before, because they've had a rocky enough relationship where it's completely plausible she'd married some other dude. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Just make it plausible. You're not making it plausible. I don't know who this man is. Exactly. The only sane person involved in the situation is Squiggy. Oh, God. Now, and I say this as someone who loves Squiggy, but Squiggy being the only voice of reason yeah. in what should be voice of reason for the audience. To, uh, sorry, for the audience speaking to the writers. Yeah. Not necessarily in universe. Yeah. It's, it's, there's some, yeah. It, it's unnatural. <laughs> Squiggy is the audience avatar in this episode. <laughs> wondering who the hell this dude is. And then Shoei just has to quickly brush him off to say, I love him. I want to be with him. But why? But why? Yeah. Nobody knows. Uh, That's the thing. It's a problem. But overall, I mean, you know, because you were asking, you know, this kind of goes with the, just the general thoughts front to back is that what I also don't like about its situation to conclusion development is that the everything feels arbitrary 
and everything feels a little too fast and a little too weird. Yeah. Which it, yeah. It, for, you know, as in it's, it's, it's giving me the similar whiplash I felt from season six when they first yeah. come to California. Yeah. For me, I actually do feel it with this. And only it's worse. It's worse because they have not taken the time to prepare us for this. It just happens. Yeah. No, it happens I, I and you have to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was I was prepared because that's the interesting thing. I was more prepared just because of what you told me about it, you know. So I, the the change itself I was prepared for. What was really aggravating to me was uh the fact that it's I didn't like the execution of it. I liked it. I liked that execution less, or I disliked it more than I expected. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. It's just bad. The problem, let's compare season six to this. Season six, you get preparation. We start it in Milwaukee. We watch the girls get fired. We see that Edna and Frank are over having fun in California. Mm -hmm. We get this preparation for the boys having extra money and possibly going, by the way, at that time, they had actually considered giving the boys their own spinoff, leaving them in Milwaukee while the girls went to California alone. So... That might have happened too, but it didn't. But we get all of this preparation before they arrive in California in the next episode. And we and we also get a little bit of preparation age for the hemorrhoids that Rhoda Burbank <laughs> is going to give us. Yeah, but in this episode, we are not warned. We're just supposed to accept this and be happy for Shirley. And I guess we're happy for her because I guess she gets to marry a guy who's labeled a doctor, even though he has no freaking money. And she has mm -hmm. to keep working. Mm -hmm. So she might as well have married Carmine. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> not to mention little... being, being the wife of an enlisted in the 60s. Yeah. That's got yeah. some implications. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the intent was, like I said, to send Walter off to Vietnam. If fans hated him, he was going to he's probably going to die. And if fans liked him. He would come back. Why so... am I getting American graffiti too? flashbacks? <laughs> Walter means jet. Run out over Donang. There were no survivors. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, um, <laughs> but um, but what I also I, I'm getting at with in terms of like the weird whiplash feeling is that season seven, you know, develops on an interesting arc where it's still definitely at times wackier than the past because they always, I think, every season yeah. after season, they were trying to get bigger and bigger. But yeah, the wedding itself that takes place in the hospital in the the VA hospital. What the fuck is that? <laughs> it's supposed to be charming and touching, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it feels like a a Marx Brothers bit. Yeah. Somehow had a train wreck with Preminger Skidoo. Oh my god, Skidoo. And then was regurgitated into a rewrite for a sitcom. <laughs> Raspberries. <laughs> like, um, I don't know what they were trying to do other than make, you know, lemonade out of lemons here. So they tried to make it cute, try to make it cool, try to make it seem realistic that uh, this is happening. So everybody, by the way, in that room is now exposed to Walter's rash. So <laughs> considering what, said, what happens in episode two, Shirley's the bravest woman in the history of the uh, armed forces. Yeah. She rode a man with a full body rash. Mm-hmm braver than any of us braver I'm, than all of us i'm remembering the kevin smith story about the first time him and his wife had sex oh god, oh god. Do, do you remember that story i'm talking about i i do and you're going to have to tell the audience now oh god okay so 
with Kevin and, and by the way, just just so folks know, Kevin Smith said this on stage with his wife and daughter backstage. So clearly, <laughs> Jen, Jennifer was okay with him telling the story. But no. basically, they, their their day was getting pretty hot and heavy. Things were getting kind of intense. And what he hadn't realized was that for whatever reason, I think it was like it was his underwear, or whatever, his zipper caused a scraping against his junk. And so he had an open wound. And, you know, and and doctors will say, like, never, ever, ever engage in sexual activity with an open wound on your genitals, period. There are so many there's so much bacteria that can be spread. And yeah. yeah. And so even even with protection, it's a terrible idea. It's going to hurt like hell. It's going to hurt like hell. So. uh, (laughs) So, I mean, that's but yeah, I'm just oh, God, she rode that man with a full body rash. Or just yeah, dry, I guess yeah. dry humped him at least through the yeah. the the through the bandages. There had to been penetration. She ends up pregnant. <laughs> Something had to have gotten somewhere. Oh my god! I didn't think of that. You're right. He had yeah. that rash yeah. and that within a week yeah. or two. Yeah, yeah. It's an implied. I think at least it's been implied that a few weeks have passed to a month. Yeah. So she was Ooh. waiting to see if she was pregnant. So they don't give an exact time frame. I don't think in uh, window on Main Street, but uh, you know. And that, and and to that again, I say I don't care. I'm done with the timeline for this goddamn show. I'm I'm sorry. Just we've had too many arguments and too many long discussions, both on the pod, on the Twitter, in YouTube comments. I'm just I'm done with the timeline. I really am done. It's it's I I had my time with it. It was fun for a while. I no longer wish to engage in that. And now but, you're but in yeah. pain. That's what season eight will do to you. It snows in April in Milwaukee. Mm. That's all I say. Mm. Why, why do you hurt me like this, honey? <laughs> Is that I don't know. This I do not know. Anyway, um, so the next thing I feel like we have to discuss, though, because we've we've talked a bunch about the Walter, the Shirley, the the, the that we'll we'll get to the the actual VA hospital sequence in a minute, because I also got to talk about the chaplain, because he's the one accredited guest star. Um, Carmine. Yeah, Carmine. Now, if you were Carmine, how would you react? <sighs> It's complicated. It's, it's that's a complicated question it, because of my own uh, relationship history. <laughs> yeah. But uh, which which you're you're aware of, aware yeah. of then, because there's some some situations that probably th- something like this would have will eventually occur for me. Um, yeah. But uh, God. But that being said, um, giving him a girlfriend that then instantly disappears within the next couple, like basically immediately. Yep. Yep. That was horseshit. Yep. Yep. That was an excuse. That was an excuse. My note, I believe here about the, uh, let me just double check here. Try black flag. It's a bunch of cheese pizza boxes. Okay. God. Uh, hang on. Pop definitely showed Cheryl a porno. Not so fast. My butter lips. No, God, gross. Um, that's so weird and gross. Oh, that's right. I also, before I forget, um, Shirley's outfit changed between um, scenes. She leaves yeah. the house in a dress and she comes back in a sweater and jeans. Did you notice that? I guess that implies that she that's when she bonked Walter. But I don't know. That Wait, did she, g- did she give him the rash? Oh, oh dear. Oh, no. Let's not envision that. Well, uh, Shirley, Shirley Feeney, social disease bearer. They warned her about this in the army film you did. Means full body twubble. <laughs> Teenage mother. Oh, yeah. I had to sneak one more in for the season. God, yes. Um, Teenage mother. My first comment is Carmine has too much denim. Da, da, da. This scene yeah. feels terrible. I think they hate it too. Their performances yeah. reek of it. Yeah. They reek yeah. of it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the implication that the 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 gentle implication that we eventually get that it's not entirely over that she left him a special PS. Yeah, that was some doors being kept open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I hate it also. By the way, her calling the the girl Cherubus has so many implications. Oh yep. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cherubus, terrible. Can we talk about how ugly the maternity dresses they put Cindy in in this episode are? Oh yeah, no, they're they're not nice. No, they're so fucking ugly. They're so ugly. Uh, it looks like she's wearing a hospital gown mixed with a tent even before she goes to the hospital. They're that bad. They're terrible. And Laverne's outfits aren't even any better. Uh, Penny's trying. And as much as I appreciate Laverne's legs, that Carlequin top plus those shorts, no. <laughs> I like the Mary Quant-like dress that they put her in later, though. That's cute. I, I feel like the Harlequin top is too comic book. That's the thing. It's yeah. just, it's too much. Like, you could make that with a current day, contempt, as in like 2010s, 2020s, uh, DC color palette work. Like, I could see oh, Harley, yeah. wear, I could see a Harley Quinn actually wearing that top with that palette, you know, done by one of the better DC artists and doing a great job. Jen Bartel could make that look amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yes. but, uh, yes. uh, but any, but yeah, no, it, it's, um, yeah. I, I was going to say regarding the maternity dresses, Fran in Dawn of the Dead looked better in her maternity clothes than, yep. uh, <laughs> than poor Shirley. Yep. 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 Poor girl. <laughs> exactly. Lawrence just confuses the audience here. We're completely allowing everybody to skip over this preamble. The process of getting to know Walter. Does the audience feel like it's disconnected and less happy about this than they ought to be? Or is it just me? I have stopped paying attention to how much I, I can tell that the laugh track is added in post, but it certainly has felt more obvious through like, or at the very least when I am paying attention, it feels more there as in, yeah, they're having to add it because the audience reaction is <laughs> what? what? <laughs> ah, she's doing it with a mummy. Ah, a mummy. Uh, right. I, oh, well, listen, I, listen, listen. If it's a hammer film mummy, that means there's a good chance. There's a one in four chance. That's Christopher Lee doing good for herself. Yeah. 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 If it means banging Christopher Lee, then then go for it. That's what I was going to say. 1958 era Christopher Lee, no less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my uh my mom's comment by the way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he looks like a Q-tip. Oh dear. Oh my goodness. When when he showed up my mom just suddenly cried out, "This is stupid. Why?" <laughs> uh. Bless your mom. I can't blame her. I love your mom and no. I can't blame her at all. I, I asked my mom around the the Cherapus line if she thought this was terrible and her response was, "Yep." <laughs> That's it. That's the fandom's opinion for a large margin of it. Also, how cheap of a joke is it to just have Laverne pass out when a revelation happens? Yep. Yep. Uh, my note in the middle of this is, and think number three is still not funny. <laughs> uh, it's such a cheap book ending joke. Yeah. It's the cheapest gag that you can buy at the joke factory. It's bad. It makes me think of uh, there's I, I still haven't seen the movie, but there's that film that has got that great trailer. Three on a meat hook, three faints on a oh. three faints on a couch. <laughs> and it's uh, Penny throws every inch of her being into it. But good Lord, 
it was never, ever, 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 ever going to work. Nope. And it never, it absolutely doesn't work. It's bad. It is so bad. So we now transition, I guess, you know, in terms of our description, is there any other notes like with the Cowboy Bill scene and the boys and stuff like that? Like, yeah. Okay. We, yes, we should probably yes, get into that before no- we get to the, the whole hospital wedding scene. Yes. Yes, definitely. We got, we had also got the stupid uh, wedding, stupid wedding shower in the middle. Oh God, that's right. The uh, lightning fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I made a note that said as uh, Laverne is sitting there with Shirley with her hand over Laverne's and they're looking at the ring and Laverne is pretending that the ring is on her finger, that the unintentional queerness of this episode is killing. Yeah. And this is a gay episode. It, it is. And I wish it was. And that's the thing for how gay it is. The wedding still sucks. Yeah. Cause, yeah, yeah, cause yeah. I've been to two gay weddings and they're awesome. They're like, it's, it, oh. you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, gay, you know, gay people, LGBTQ, you know, queer people can't have crappy weddings. Some are going to have crappy weddings that are just, you know, what everybody for, will, everybody will, but yeah, man, but basically, the girls got proxy married. They really do. Yeah, let's let's be real <laughs> here. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And even that line about you know Cheryl procrastinating. It's like, okay, you pretend to be Carmine, and my note is, oh god, the yeah. implications. Why does Laverne's Carmine impression make her look like a dog? Mm. <laughs> That's my note on the scene. He is kind of her lap dog sometimes. Yeah, 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 to a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what for? For once, she actually does get to break Carmine's heart, which is a switch. Yeah. Which is a, a different from everything that's, that she's gone through before. That's so true. Yeah. Um, Fred is in full dad mode. Those napkins with the names on them. Here's a pen. Here's the napkins. Now get ready. We have plenty of chicken ribs and corn on the cup. And she wants at least two vegetables at the wedding. Hello. <laughs> and that's our hello yeah. gag for the boys. That's our hello gag. It's a cute one. <laughs> I like that one. And they're managing. I do like that they're managing a killer trout. Yeah. 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 And Lenny ate all the guppies. Lenny? No. That is my note. Yeah. Lenny No is my note for the majority of the scene. Uh, he also got shock treatment and swallowed the rubber puck that you play put in your mouth. Yes, that's right. For his memory, which is sad. Ugh. It makes me incredibly sad. Yeah, all the time. And I'll, I'll the, yeah, it's, it's like uh, all the time. It's a personality trait. I had the shock treatments. I swallowed the rubber thing. Honey, yeah. honey. are we getting older or just taller? Ugh. <laughs> it is one man. It is one man, isn't it? it made me laugh. Yeah, that is. Yes, that. it is one man. Yep. <laughs> I'm so happy I could. Eat. Mr. Defazio. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And pick a loser. I love, of course. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Lenny bet on Laverne. Squiggy bet on Shirley. And uh, that's not surprising to me. No. Uh, the black flag line is a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, in case you're wondering, there is a deleted moment in this scene uh, where Lenny uh, is sitting down talking to Laverne about how shocked he is and about everything. And as a last-ditch gesture, he proposes to Laverne for the last time. He says, we could be in Las Vegas by midnight. It's a good line. Uh, for some reason, yeah, for some reason it's not in the DVD. Uh, well, whatever loser cut that, um, I, I, I hope you're happy with yourself and your terrible, empty, hollow existence. <laughs> it was on a rare Lifetime cut. They aired sometime in the middle of uh, its run. I remember it very clearly, and I have not been able to find it yet, but I remember him saying this. Because mm. uh, afterwards, you'll notice he says, I try my best to get out of this, but she won't play. Right. Why else would he say that? Mm-hmm. Why else would he just say that if she uh, just didn't? Because of, Yeah, because she even offered the 10 bucks. Yeah, because yeah. It, it doesn't yeah. match with the joke that of the, uh, yeah. I just give you the 10 bucks. And then he goes, that's nice yeah. of her, but I couldn't take a money from an old maid. Oh, my mom hated yeah. that line, by the way. Yeah, she me too. hated that I hate line. It. 
Yeah, I can't blame her because that's a violation. Of, that's also a violation of Lenny and Laverne's friendship. Mm-hmm. It's annoying. The boys are being unnecessarily cruel in this scene. Yep. But they're the only funny thing in this whole episode. So. And that like, becomes kind of the thing is, you know, Laverne being the butt of the joke becomes a recurrent concept through this season, which you could already start to see was starting to happen in season seven. But it yeah. really yeah. takes hold here. And oh, yeah. from what we've heard of some stories like um, Helen, the the guy, the or uh, was it Helen or Hankin? Larry Hankin, the uh, the guy who played the yeah. the bully show guy, you know, yeah. from Larry his test, you know, his <laughs> almost called testimony, uh, <laughs> his uh, discussion of um, the bully show episode uh, yeah. on a uh, recent uh, podcast, um, which uh, I will track down and I will link yes. to below. Yes. He discusses how he was just going to try to chase her and she was going to, you know, dodge him in different ways. And she was the one that wanted him to be much more like get on top of me, go do this to go do that and be more physical in it, you know, basically to make it much more viscerally intense, which certainly changed my perspective of that episode to some extent, even though I still feel he needed comeuppance. He needed to be arrested. He needed to be, have the shit kicked out of him. You know, they needed to like send him to Terry Buttafuoco and, you know, she puts him in the fucking hospital. And he refuses to press charges. Terry Buttafuoco, you know, yeah. and he. Terry Buttafuoco sinks him up to his neck in cement. That's the end of the episode. Yeah, no, that would be fantastic. Yeah, that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. And you know, and it takes and and the people are asking him like, "What happened to you?" It's like it was an accident, and she's just always there, <laughs> what, like pointing at him, yeah. like, "Yeah, you tell anybody what you what you tried to, you know, I'll tell, yeah. I'll tell them what you did." Yeah, I'm watching you. Yeah, I want that. Uh, to be honest, I want that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, point I'm trying to make though is yeah. that I wonder how much of this was Penny saying like, "Well, you know, I need to laugh, so I'll I'll be the butt of the joke," you know, because sometimes being yeah. the butt of the joke can be funny. It can be fun to perform. Yeah, yeah. I would be shocked if it was if it was her idea, but it's still not good. Yeah, this is still not good. Yeah, it, it be, um, because like even this whole the whole uh, her being afraid she's going to end up an old maid, like old lady Grady on Nap Street, all alone with a hundred cats yeah. and choking on the fur balls and dying an old maid, and then pop. Yep not helping not at all she was married thanks thanks bob i love um that shirley adds a family heirloom from great nana feeny for in 1885 the feeny family wedding gown which has been moth-eaten mm-hmm. <laughs> indians got her huh i say <laughs> yeah so it was a miss miss fatini or something like that could do something with it like a veil a handkerchief i did like they turn it into a wedding gown shaped nap uh, uh handkerchief yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. She ends up actually taking little bits of the veil and sticking it to her uh, veil that she wears at the wedding. Oh, that's you know, right. Like, I did notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Little teeny bits of uh, construction paper flowers and jokes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So they are definitely pretty much trying to assure the audience that nothing is going to change here. That Shirley will be here for a year. Walter will be somewhere else. Basically, nothing's going to change. We promise. We swear. You'll still get that same old fluffy stuff that you wanted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was so it was so blatant and so embarrassing. And who and then she's she's just okay. And the fact that this whole plot line exists and makes what happens in episode three awkward because she, she always knew he was gonna ship out. Yeah. She always knew he was gonna be gone. Mm-hmm. He was gonna be gone for a year. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he gets his orders and all of a sudden she has to go with him. Mm-hmm. Other than plot convenience. But mm-hmm. oops. Oops, 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 oops. I actually wrote I don't know this person, Shirley style in all caps. I don't know this person. <laughs> anyway, we cut to commercial after this, and this, yeah. and then we get to the baby shower where everything's got to get done yeah. ASAP. Yes, yes, because Walter's in it on us. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and that's time. Shower's over. Move them over. Get going. What happened yeah. to the dirty pictures? Yeah. Not now, Pop. Did Frank just say something about dirty pictures was my notes? And he did. Yeah. 
why does he want to show the girls porn? I, I, I feel like at some point he's already showed showed Shirley a porno and now it's like, okay, you're oh, old, you're older now, you found the new stuff. Bring me something good. You gotta, get, get, some get, get, get so, give me some of that Doris Wishman. Oh my god. <laughs> I know job I do this camp film. Bring them back. Oh uh, god. And they'll the rush out that and Ron is actually happy with this because she didn't have to play any silly shower games. Right. Let her pee in peace is my note about Shirley just, you know, Laverne goes upstairs to go to the bathroom and then Shirley uh, just kind of, uh, you know, is mad at her and wants her on schedule. So she came to the bathroom. Yeah, seriously. The boys come in and she's, she didn't, and she didn't invite them. I don't know why she wouldn't. And it's just like, other eat pizza. You guys weren't interested in it anyway. Exactly. I have no idea why the hell Laverne is avoiding boys when they're down there. Who is this mysterious man in khaki that you're willing to let share? Share your nuptials. Nuptials. Feeny me, what's she gonna call kids, Miney and Mo? <laughs> and then they ruin the scene with the t- with the end, girls' prison. God damn it, boys. Yeah. Oh, we get more of that later in the season. Anyway. It'd be nice if we'd seen this, I said. Yeah. Uh, it's like, Shirley's like, it's just like, no, Walter, you know Walter. You, I swear you know Walter. And the audience is like, we don't know Walter. Walter has come with a slight, has thing, come down. Don't. He's he's the kind of person that comes down with a slight case of something. We don't know. We haven't written that far. The page just ends right there. Something, something rash. It's uh, the fact that basically, basically he has chlamydia. <laughs> he just can't say it. This is a situation, not a character. And it kills me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is a comedic situation. He's a comedic situation that exists because the show either didn't have the courage to have Shirley be a single mother, they didn't have the courage to marry her off to Carmine, or they, they're too afraid that she would look slightly pregnant standing behind a sofa. I'm like, who cares? It's the 1980s. Yep. They're putting single moms. Yep. This is just before the big boom where, uh, you know, baby boomer women were saying, screw it, and going to sperm banks and masses. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, exactly. And eschewing the um, tracking down a, a sperm giving person entirely. So it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. why not? Why not have you be a single mom? It's ridiculous. It's so dumb. I don't know why they thought anybody would notice or care. <laughs> so yeah, we all can see she's extremely pregnant in this episode. Oh, yeah. And too. it gets so much worse in, yeah. in the next one. Yeah. 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 And that's what she's just finding out she's pregnant when she looks about six months old. Oh, yeah. Oops. Oops. Anyway, so we get to the uh, Carmine breakup, and yep. we get to the okay. So now it's I'm at, we're, okay. The VA hospital. I did like that. I I, I did kind of like. The... I was gonna say a couple of things though. Okay. I love that Laverne chooses to read the sex manuals to Bridget Carmine's heart. Oh yeah. Well, I mean th- that's fair. I love that, and I also love yeah. that Shirley would get a marriage manual not because she has no experience but they get that she wants to make sure she does it right which is very yeah it's one of the few things yeah. in this episode that's like that is 100 percent surely yep 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 uh audience losing it for carmine in his 80s denim i don't <laughs> yeah that is entirely too much goddamn denim my god <laughs> give yourself a reason to live Ugh. love it first dip with Susie or they yeah. again we don't meet Sue. i think actually i do think we meet Susie very briefly and she's played by Annie Mecca's real life wife in Of Mice and Men. That's the only time we see her. Oh, so, okay. it, and then he breaks up with her eventually anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, there's this, a, this is, then she was the singer, right? The one that they did the song together yeah. that ended up in one of those yeah. sleazy mid 80s yeah. uh, horror movies. Yes. Yes, they did. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. We're gonna, I think that's her. I think we'll, we'll see. We will see as time progresses. 
It's very sure to be pissed off, though, that uh, this this relationship has ended not on her terms. Yeah. It's very her. Cheryl Rage was my note. This is perfect yeah. timing, Angel <laughs> Face. Like, how dare you call me Angel Face? What gall? <laughs> yeah. The doing breakup somehow sucks and yet is very dumb. What's my notes? Yeah, it is. It's it's just it's still it's I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. That, yeah. That's really just a yeah. lot of actually. Yeah. Thanks, I hate it. You're gonna hear from me a lot. We can still make out. <laughs> Honestly, what's preventing it? To be real, what's preventing it? Yeah, because I mean, Walter's not a person. She didn't get married to a person. Yeah. She's not even technically yeah. in a committed relationship to a yeah. person. Yeah. He's a yeah. prop. Yep. Walter, meaning you are not a character. So simple. Um, Laverne actually thought that the wedding was going to switch up, which I think the audience would have approved of. Yeah. So now we're at the hospital. And this dumb wedding is happening, and they're trying to make it emotional. Sewed an L on Did your you hospital notice? gown, a mini dress yeah, handkerchief. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Did you notice the signs on the wall behind them? I was going to say that is one of the few chuckle. Well, yeah. like at least I smirked yeah. the Feeney wedding sign yeah. in the VA hospital. Yeah, yeah. Emergency cardiology Feeney wedding. Yeah. Fun. This old time. I this episode gives me three perfectly decent chuckles, and that's one of them. Yep. <laughs> So and I, and I did love that you know old Fabrizio is going to give away his other girl at the wedding. And he's so proud of me. And yeah. then he starts and I love that he starts crying. And it's like the whole family yeah. they start crying. I love I do love that. Yeah, that's sweet. That's sweet. That's sweet and very frank. And then we get the kazoos <laughs> and all the le the leg salutes. Okay. And the gayest fuck proxy wedding, which is my exact note. <laughs> <laughs> my my note is what piece of shit failed military pilot of Gary's did this hunk of junk fucking scene come out of? <laughs> Poor Gary. We're drubbing Gary too hard. It's part of the network too. It's a lot of horrible decisions by a lot of people. Yeah, but once. you gotta figure the uh, the whole uh, military angle was probably Gary just saying it's gotta be a military guy. And, oh yeah. And because of oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Did I mention I was in the military? All my shows involved with somehow. Yeah, that's we 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 have to uh, have to do a comedy about the military and things like that. Listen, I have a, a good friend of mine, my good friend, friend Henry from Finland, who, you know, he had to do his mandatory service as, you know, folks do in Finland. Yeah. And yeah. he actually wrote a comic about his experiences in, you know, serving. And it was yeah. actually so popular among other recruits that, you know, one of his uh, CEOs got it uh, recommended to one of the newspapers, you know, one of the periodicals they send to enlisted, uh, enlisted persons. And, um, and I've read some of those ones that at the very least I can understand what it's about from the context because it's all in Finnish. Um, yes, you can make good military comedy. Gary was not good at doing military comedy. Yeah. No. Then the other thing is he kept trying to watch a military uh, comedy. See Lenny and Squiggy in the Army. Mm -hmm. See the whole Happy Days arc where everybody's in the ROTC for seasons. And then eventually um, uh, Ralph and, uh, and uh, Richie ship off to Greenland. <laughs> you know? See what happens when the girls are here. See Laverne Shirley in the army. Mm -hmm. Like it's all the time. How much money? Uh, my, uh, my our friend Debbie, uh, who's a friend of pod, the podcast, asked me, did ABC and did uh, Gary Marshall Productions accept money from the military uh, for all the stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. I think Gary's really proud he was in the military. Yeah, I think that really has that has to do with yeah, exactly. This is not a Call of Duty yeah. situation where. The yeah. Call of Duty actually probably gets a lot of actual military funding, taxpayer yeah. money, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. of course, that would make sense because Bobby Kotick is, you know, 17 devils in a trench coat. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so uh, 
actually in the odd couple reboot, he doesn't show up. So eventually it stopped being a thing. No, oh, at least there's that. Uh, anyway, but back on track to the episode. Yeah. Um, shall we begin? Yeah. So we now get to the yes. chaplain. The chaplain, uh, my mother yeah. actually pointed out he his badge has a star of David. So he's a uh, Jewish yeah. uh, yet reading out of the Bible. So there's some interesting questions and implications there. Now, her thought, at least, you know, because this is one of those we'll need to, you know, I wanted to do notes about this and then I stopped caring and learned to, um, you know, that there were better things to do with my time. Uh, sorry. It's it's not about it's not about necessarily. I would like to be able to get this correct. So I'm just going to point out that this is something that's visually done in the prompts department, which is probably intentional. This could mean I don't like I don't personally know. Does the, my questions are. Does this mean Walter is Jewish? It, given the fact he's reading out of potentially the Old Testament, does that mean it doesn't matter per se? Um, and three, is it just because of the fact that, you know, he's officiating over the, the wedding doesn't then not matter? I'm guessing it came down to props because we have no glass, we have no mazel tov, we have no rabbi presence. So I'm guessing. Good point. I'm guessing. Good point. Um, also, because I haven't had a chance to talk about director, writer, actor notes, et cetera. Yeah, the, the chaplain notes. Richard Stahl. Um, what's funny is he shows up here and he feels like strangely out of place despite this is his third time being on Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> he played the role of Mr. Stewart in the very first episode Society Party. Yeah. And he's the clerk in Right to Light. That's, that's cool. That's cool. That's super cool. And then they, they don't seem all read like the same character. So yeah. I think that's neat. Um, I mean, as you know, we probably mentioned before in Right to Light, he was a longtime character actor. He got the usual spots of like that girl, Blansky's Beauties, three episodes, Barney Miller. Yeah. But uh, he was another alum, another of the alums of this show to have worked on Billy Jack and another pal from Beware the Blob in which he played the character of Edward Fazio. Oh, that's cool. I did want to mention cool. this, though, that after having multiple appearances on the show and having clearly been a pal of Gary Marshall's, he would continue acting through the 1980s, including popping into Overboard for Gary. He also ended up on a couple of Night Court episodes, Murder, She Wrote, You Again, which had a bunch of alumnus alumnus from the show on it. Uh, he ended up actually getting small movie roles in the late 90s, including Ghosts of Mississippi and The American President. And his final onstage, uh, on-screen role was, of course, in The Other Sister as the train ticket seller. Oh, dear. Another, another Gary production. One of his movies that we don't like to talk about because Lord. Oh, yeah, that's. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, Richard Stahl uh, passed away in 2006, but at the age of 74. So that's a damn good long run. And when you go back, like to see how far yeah. back. I mean, the dude worked essentially for like 40 something years in show business. Yeah, good cool. for him. That is super cool. That's really neat. Hmm. Yeah. So they marry. <sighs> there's kissing, that quasi kissing. We, there's some question as to whether or not this is legal. So I wonder if they did that to leave space to say maybe Walter didn't consent to this marriage. But considering the show's consent boundaries, that isn't the best thing that could have been done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the groom has blinked. The groom has blinked. The question, did he? Did he? Did he? Uh... Uh, they go off to go do it in isolation. The boy's little mummy's bride part was good. Mummy's tomb part was great. Yeah, the mummy's tomb. Yeah. Uh, the mummy's bride, but you gotta say it in the voice. Oh, he said it in the voice. <laughs> sounds scary. The mummy's tomb. And the mummy's bride. Yeah, yeah. This this is <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah. It's what's funny is um, <laughs> my note here. That I'm looking back now. I haven't looked at this note in like almost two weeks. I don't hate it, but I don't like it, and I want to hate it. Yeah, like it's not worth hating. 
In my little opinion, it's not worth hating. This part is actually cute. Yeah. Oh, but, but, no, no. I'm talking about like the whole episode overall. Well. The whole episode. Oh, overall. yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know we were going to the whole episode of Russians. In a way, to me, this episode uh, is I'm here for Shirley um, making her dreams come true. Uh, it's better that, you know, she did nail her doctor. Hooray for her. But it's done so awkwardly, so badly, so suddenly, and so terribly that it's impossible for the audience to care. We care about Shirley, sure. We wanted to be happy, sure. But we do not know this man can make her happy because we do not know her, know him, and we do not get the chance to know him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's a mess. My last note is, once again, Walter Meany, you are not a real character. <laughs> My last note is, at the end of this episode, it was because that line, am I going to catch his rash? And she goes, no. My mom looked back at me in horror. I know. I know. I know. Shirley Feeney is the most brave woman in the history of all of all the army. There have been snipers who shot the shit out of Nazis. There have been women who put their who survived great things and pulled people out of the trenches and made sure they lived. Shirley Feeney is braver than all of them. Uh, she's braver than all of them because she's, yeah, she's at the so very least. Have- at the very least, she was a brave woman. On the level of a horror or action movie protagonist for deciding <laughs> that God damn it is my wedding night and I'm going to fuck this man, rash or not. <laughs> she should be happy she's not in a Stuart Gordon production. Ooh, ooh, good pulls. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Thankfully, she is not in From Beyond. <laughs> ooh, but that means we would have seen her in the fetish gear, though. Yeah, but on the other hand, she could have sprouted out two heads and turned into a goop pile. Yeah, so, yeah, but I mean, you know, facto. It, it would have it would have been hot for a while. For a while. Well, yeah. Maybe now, perhaps. Now I got to say, dang it, that makes me sad that Cindy didn't get to work with Barbara Crampton. I feel like those two would get on oh, like a man. house on fire. Oh, that would be cute. Oh, that would be cute. That's too bad. You know, with, with, they, that would have been cool. Yeah, because I mean, we often think of Barbara Crampton as a scream queen, but you know, she was on uh, uh, the what was it, Days of Our Lives, yeah. the uh, the so no, Young and the Restless for years is Leanna Crampton. Thank Leanna, you, Leanna Love, Leanna Love, Leanna Love, Leanna Love. There you go. I'm gonna double check that. Check please. She was in a, she wasn't Days of Our Lives briefly. It's Leanna Love, so I gotta write the second time. <laughs> Leanna is a well-known gossip columnist mm. who made life difficult for everybody. I know, I know this much about her character because I remember the character. My mom used to watch Young and the Wrestlers, so one of the folks used to watch. So. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. She was a Days of Lives person, though. Anyway. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So now we're... <sighs> <sighs> Ranking time. Oh, my God. Um, Four. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say a four, because uh, it's not as bad as what's ahead of us. Let me put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I, I can already tell. It, it's a betrayal of the character... To a degree. It's a betrayal of a lot of the characters to a degree, but it's not a violation of the character. Right. We're going to get to the violation part. And it's going to suck. Yeah. So I, I will um, mention, so we, we need to get into a writer-director commentary yes. before we kind of jump off onto the towards the end here. So we've, we've got a ranking. Yes. So we both kind of gave it about a four. I completely agree about yeah. the betrayal. I'm surprised that this is a Roger Garrett episode. Yeah. 
He did what he could, though. He really did what he could. I mean, yeah. I mean, understandably, he was typically a writer of the boy-centric episodes for Lenny and Squiggy. Yep. Uh, but this yep. is like his ninth episode. And he has two more to go, actually. Yep. yep, yep, yep. And this is a guy who started in season two on the anniversary show yep. Wraparounds. And we yes. and we actually discussed him quite a bit in season seven. That so there should be more thorough trivia and notes uh, there as to you know his stuff. So if you have if you haven't listened to the season seven episodes, um, go back to our podcast for that if you want to know more about Roger Garrett or just look him up. I mean, there's you can find little nuggets here and there. Yeah. Uh, but he has fashion show and how's your sister up ahead of us. Um, one of those is mediocre and one of them is terrible. Yeah. So after, <laughs> you know, so talking we'll about there. the future, we're getting as you know, trying to talk about the post nightmare future the post-apocalypse yeah. roger's career had him jumping back to happy days for a little bit doing an episode of webster uh two episodes of down to earth the usual string of 80s tv like love boat it's living empty nest etc uh he worked primarily in sitcoms through the 1990s but he actually did a couple of episodes of law and order svu at the turn of the 21st century wow and uh cool. his last credited writing gig was uh in 2003 for an episode of street time dude Interesting. So for Tom Turbovic, uh, or Turbovich, uh, returning from season six and seven mm. is his 22nd of 36 total. So wow. here's the trivia note we have for today, because this I found fascinating. In 1985, he directed the pilot for Slickers. Are you familiar with this show? Uh, vaguely, vaguely, but tell our audience more. It was a Chris Thompson penned TV show that would have starred Michael Richards and Dana Carvey as star-crossed police officers in a small town. I have no... It's ringing no bells for me. As far as I know, as far as I could find, I need. I didn't dig super deep, but as far as I could tell, there's only one photo that remains from a TV Guide article when they showed it on the air, and that is it. Like, everything else is gone. That is super interesting. I've never heard of it. Wow. So it's one of those, the big cop, the cop from the big city goes to the small town and deals with the easygoing sheriff. And I'm not 100% sure which is which when you look at the photo, because they made Richards and Carvey. And this is Crimps Thompson doing a Michael Richards, Dana Carvey show. That is insane. Now, Man. this is comes I back to money to see that. But I wonder if it's out there bootlegged. But you know, and I'm not you know not to disparage against Tom overall. Like you know, Tom was a was a very uh, workable director. I think he wasn't as good as he he wasn't at the great level of some of the other directors on the series. But he was good. You know, he he did some good work on the show. But this is why you got a Joel Zwick for your pilot episode. <laughs> Zwick yeah. had like the golden yeah. touch. He directed your pilot. He did. It would show the network. It would show the public exactly what the show was going to be. And it all, almost always got picked up. But we'll have more mindless bits of trivia like like this coming later in the season. Um, I also have some. I think that's cool. I think it's neat. I think it's all neat. Yeah, it's it is. It's a cool little detail. So I have some other crew trivia for today. I stay on the IMDb trivia. Uh, this is the last episode where Shirley Laverne, Lenny Sweegan, and Carmine appear on screen. Together. It is. Yeah. 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 Because the boys are not in the next episode. And this is the end for Shirley. Yeah. Yeah, the next episode in Charlotte. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So the next thing I wanted to mention, the last piece of trivia is uh, this begins the last leg of Edward E. Nugent's run as a cinematographer. He was another oh. TV career lifer. Uh, he started work as an assistant camera on science fiction theater in the 1950s and even operated cameras on Sea Hunt and The Fugitive. He did a whopping 42 episodes as camera guy on Bob Newhart and 46 of Taxi. And it actually looks like his time wow. as the DP on season seven and eight of Laverne and Shirley were his last gigs he did in the business. That's interesting. That's cool. I'm intrigued. I didn't even know that was the end of it. Oh, What's the thing new every day? Yeah. 
T-I-L. I not know that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Today I learned stuff. Yeah, we learned stuff. Hopefully you've learned with us as well out there, dear listeners. And um, okay, so we've got a ranking. We've got all that. Is there... Yeah. Whew, scale 1 to 10, how much do you think this is going to hurt me by the time we're done? Uh, uh, some of them are going to cause pain. Some of them are going to relieve the pain. Some of them are going to be quite good. Providing little oasises. Um, but we've got some stuff ahead of us. So <laughs> the I, pain scale is going to yeah, go up and down and up and down throughout the procedure. Uh, it's got to be like being on Hot Ones where they start you out with a nice habanero, a smoky chipotle wing. And then all of a sudden, by the end of it, you're just shooting liquid death into your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Mm, mm. This reminds me of that euphemism uh, or that analogy I was mentioning to you yesterday that I yeah. wish doing season eight was the wild bunch where we go out on our own terms. I'm trying <laughs> to do this on our own terms as much as possible. That's why I put up the disclaimer that there's going to be tangents. I don't want to, you know, like this is going to be you. We're supposed to cover this. We're going to do that. But I really would liken this to being like I now know what it's like to be Jack Bauer where <laughs> like I've done my time. And I just want to go on and live my life. But the, somehow the president's been kidnapped again by some ultra-nationalists from England that are in league with anarchists that are trying to destroy, to kill the president. At least two of them have been kidnapped by ninjas. Might be ninjas. <laughs> ninjas that look like Ron Swanson. Because, yeah, he was in that. Wait, he was not, yeah, well, it's so, wait yeah. Offerman? Nick Offerman was in that. Wow. Yeah, Nick Offerman was in 24. Nick Offerman was in 24, and he played uh, a terrorist-adjacent guy. Wow. Well, I mean, they had terrorists, like even uh, homegrown terrorism for quite a lot of the, uh, the, oh, yeah. the first five oh, seasons. Yeah. So my dad was a big 24 fan, so I know this stuff. Oh, and now I'm going to show you a picture. Oh, God. I can't because, wait. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. So, Mummy's Bride, 4 out of 10. And, um... Yeah. I will say ahead of us, there was at least an 8 to 9. Oh, man. It feels like a dream, like a mirage, like it isn't real. Oh, it's uh, ironically that that uh, particular episode deals with mirages, but we'll get there. Oh, it's that one. Okay, yeah, I know you and we'll get there, you, yeah. you and Pax have mentioned that one before. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Okay, yes, I enjoy it. It's a very Rocco-looking episode, and I think that's a good it's thing. It's very fun. It's a very good one. I think you'll enjoy it. Anyway, um, I think. I would say after watching this episode, chase it down with the first Hammer film, The Mummy, because it's got great flashback sequences, a good mummy, and Peter Cushing being awesome. Yeah. If you need something yeah. more romantic, or at the very least, more cathartic. Hmm. My best friend's wedding, maybe? Life with Beth. Life with Beth. Sorry, life with Beth. Yes. Or was, no, or light. Th- sorry. Or, or are we talking no, about? Life with Beth. No, I'm talking about Life is Beth, the one where um, Aubrey Plaza plays a zombie who uh, is the guy's ex-girlfriend. Yeah, and Life. They're uh, trying to have a relationship still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's a Life After Beth. Life After Beth. Ding, ding. Yep. Ding, ding. Okay, so you improved upon that. Yep. There you go. Anyway, cool. Uh, so we're going to have ourselves a quick word from the sponsors. Um, actually, as we're recording this, we need to, I think we need to reauthenticate our uh, sponsorship uh, crap on uh, Anchor slash spotify for podcasters because you know it's 2023 and now and things are changing rapidly around us everything everywhere all at once it should stay a movie and not be our current state of existence 
Um, but we'll yeah. we'll have a uh, we will have a little bit of a break for sponsors, and we shall return for a uh, bit of a post amble and a look at what's coming up next. Yay! Phew. Well. Thank you again, everyone, so much for tuning in to Night After Night, the podcast about eight seasons in a row, even if that last eighth season is going to feel like the eighth shotgun round put into Alex Murphy's body before he turns into Robocop. <laughs> if you would like to learn, if you'd like to know more, uh, please join us at uh, Night, After Night, uh, Night After Night Pod on Facebook, WordPress, Tumblr, Patreon, or wherever good podcasts can be found so you can listen to other episodes. Uh, we are on Patreon. We do offer these episodes a day in advance if you do the $5 tier. If you go up, you can get them a little earlier than that as well, because that's a really nice incentive. We are easily found on Twitter at the moment, because, again, this is the middle of 2023, so we have no idea if Twitter yeah. will still be alive by the time these episodes are being edited. Uh, <laughs> but we hope that you will join us at night, after night PC on Twitter, because we also have like a little community watch alongs and we do like, you know, animated gifts and other little bits of trivia and other posts and stuff, especially regarding other Laverne and Shirley events and other Marshall verse trivia miscellany. Anyway, though, Lisa, Lisa Fernandes, my wonderful, magnificent, darling lady love. Uh, <laughs> what's, uh, what's next? The girls agree to live in a window display at bar rolls, but their transparent life puts their jobs in jeopardy. When Rhonda's bright idea causes them to call the hypnotist who convinces them to act like chickens when a bell rings instead of aiding Laverne with her claustrophobia. This is Window on Main Street. Mm. As long as it doesn't make them do the Ma Manderville Mambo, I think yeah. we'll be okay. Yeah, this one could be worse. It could be worse, in my opinion. <laughs> That's early. Well... Tune in next time, folks, and we'll see you next time. And, uh, oh, and to all those folks in the Bible Belt, sorry we said fuck so much. <laughs> Bye, y'all. And for heaven's sake, if you marry a mummy, make sure that you put bandages on your registry. Bye. Bye. <laughs>